Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I'm Michael J. Sutton, and this is episode 21 of Freedom from Fear. Our citizenship is in heaven. This is a citizenship for all Christians, without exception. This is not a spiritual allegory or metaphor in the New Testament, but an actual reality. It is political citizenship. Therefore, in history, so many nations have sought to stamp out Christianity. We are not citizens of any nation but of heaven. Paul writes in Philippians 3 verses 18 to 21. For, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven. The word in the Greek is very interesting. To my knowledge, it's the only time this word is used in this sense in the New Testament. And yet it is used outside the Bible. Whenever it has been used, those who are using it are not talking about some metaphorical sense of politics or allegiance, but real political identity. This is a political term, not a religious term. This is not a nice term we can tuck into the belt of Christian nationalism and say, God bless America and hope all as well. No, this is exclusive political identity. It has nothing to do with the nation of America or the Founding Fathers or the Constitution, but it has to do with Christ. The word citizenship in Philippians means the state or of the nation. That word in Greek for citizenship would have been well known in the well known in the world of Paul. It was politeuma, which means a state or commonwealth or nation. It clearly means a form of government, politics. Wait, what are you saying? Are you saying that the Christian, when he or she comes to faith, gains a new citizenship and one that is political? And the answer is clearly yes. For the Christian, their old national identity, their passport, is the past. We cannot take it with us. It's nice to have to go from place to place. But our allegiance is not to their flag or to their wars or to their values, but to God. And our loyalty is to God and Him alone. And to Him alone do we submit in obedience. This is radical stuff. This is subversive. Welcome to Christianity. Our old citizenship is convenient and we can use it, Paul did, but our true citizenship is in heaven with Christ. Translators hid the political nature of Philippians because this political way of thinking is also found elsewhere in the letter in Philippians 1.27. Paul tells his readers, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. The phrase, conduct yourselves, is sometimes translated as your way of life. 
but the meaning is lost in English, and this is probably because translators wanted to hide the subversive nature of the letter. The word for Greek is related to citizenship. Its proper meaning is to live as a citizen. We are to live as a citizen on earth, following Christ our King. Jesus is our King. Christian politics have exclusively to do with Christ our King. It is interesting that for both words, to conduct yourselves and the word for citizenship, have their root in the word politics. They are political words, and these words speak of politics. This means that Christian fascism is without basis in the Bible entirely, and the entire Christian nationalist endeavour and its fascist roots are completely and utterly unchristian and completely fake. It's not surprising, of course they are. Yet most churches laud them, applaud them and put them up on a pedestal. Christian fascists long for the control of the state so they can start killing people again. They long to return to the nightmare of their religious pogroms and holocausts. Christian fascists follow a different master, perhaps you know his name, it's Satan, he's the ruler of this world and politics is his domain. For the Christian, we await the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. This means that this world is not all that there is, and this means that we are not to focus on the earth, but focus on our relationship with God. This does not mean ignoring our obligations and duties, but rather reshaping them and remoulding them against our new citizenship and allegiance with Christ. A relationship with God enlivens and strengthens everything in our life. It should not detract from our life, but it should invigorate it and cultivate it and strengthen it. And we await the return of the Saviour from heaven. It seems to me that this is the problem for many Christians. They simply do not believe in heaven. And they do not believe Christ will return. God exists to help them in their life now and they want the best. They want his promises even if they do not exist. And when they don't get what they want, they become resentful. They don't keep an eye on eternity because they have both eyes on earth. They don't keep their ear to the scriptures and the voice of God because they have their ears twitching to the latest fad and fashion. And they don't keep in step with God but explore all the alleys and back streets of the world searching for anything but God. But Christians have all kinds of intractable problems for which there is no earthly remedy. And that is not a problem, for as Paul says, if you have one of those problems, ask God, and he will explain it to you. James says the same thing in his letter. If you have one of these intractable problems, simply ask God, and keep asking until the path is made clear for you. If there's an earthly solution, of course, use it, don't ignore it. If you have a headache, go to the doctors. If you're sick, go to the clinic and the hospital. He's not talking about that. But if you have those intractable problems for which there is no earthly remedy, ask God. Look in the Bible for God's promises concerning prayer and commit them to God. The Christian's greatest enemy, unfortunately, is the church. The Christian will encounter his or her greatest challenges, not in the world, but amongst others who call themselves Christians. Paul writes, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. 
Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. Paul graciously makes the meaning of this text clear. The essential problem with the enemies of the cross of Christ is that their mind is set on earthly things. Their mind is set on the earth and not on heaven. We're not to get distracted by the phrase in the text that God is their stomach. This is a summary of their problem. But Paul is not taking aim at fat people or large people, but rather a way of life. In those days, the stomach was the heart of the person, the center of their being. For many Christians, their God is themselves, their gratification, their needs, their wants, and not God's. But it's worse because their glory is in their shame. The cross means nothing to the enemies of faith. Again, this is not referring to any form of immorality. No, these people were probably upstanding and moral people. Most Christian fascists are, at least externally. No, the heart of their religion was not Jesus Christ, but themselves. Jesus and the cross meant nothing to them. They saw Jesus on the cross and turned away, preferring to find solace in themselves and the world around them. They were, in fact, living the life many Christians live today, The cross is the footnote. Their salvation is about self-effort, and they don't believe in eternity. For them, the cross is of no importance to their Christian life. It is there, it's in their churches, but it means nothing to them. For Paul, the cross of Christ was everything, and for the life of all true Christians, it is everything. For all who have their citizenship in heaven are those for whom the cross of Christ means everything. Paul wrote, wrote in Galatians chapter four, verse chapter six, verse fourteen, these words May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please go to freedommatterstoday.com if you'd like to find out more about Freedom Matters Today. Subscribe to our daily blog and you will receive an, in- an email to your inbox every morning. Please join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom From Fear.